welcome back to the No More Trauma podcast. My name is Tanya, trauma survivor, certified trauma-informed yoga teacher, coach, and wellness facilitator. My mission is to provide healing, mental health tips, inspiration for living a trauma-free lifestyle. You can find this podcast on Apple, SoundCloud, and of course, YouTube. Oh, it feels so good to be back. Welcome back. Um, you're probably saying, Tanya, what do you mean you just launched another episode? Yes, I am launching two episodes uh, this month, same day. So if you're listening to this podcast and haven't listened to Embracing uh, Soft Love, I invite you uh, to uh, take a listen and tune in to that specific podcast. Uh, so today, what are we uh, talking about? What, uh, why do we get two bonus episodes? Well, uh, this is a topic I've been wanting to bring here to the podcast, uh, and I'm super excited because we have our lovely guest and my dear friend back on the show as well. Hi, V. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for having me back, letting me crash the party one more time. Yeah, appreciate it. Yes, you're most welcome. Um, yeah, so um, I'm very happy to have you back. And um, it was so good to have you on the last episode of Setting Intentions for 2023. So again, listeners, if you haven't tuned into that episode, I invite you um, to channel in and tune in to that episode as well. But today, we are talking BDSM and kink post-trauma. So uh, in this episode, so during, here we are, um, this is the second month of the year, there is a huge focus uh, that can be placed on romance, love, one of my favorite topics, uh, and of course, so emphasis on sexual activity and creating a scene for intimacy and steamy activity that may include ambiance, decadent dessert, and forbidden props. These props are included in an act called BDSM. Okay, So media, literature, pop culture, and film have highlighted this adult activity. And in this episode, we begin to take a look at the BDSM community, the psychology of the practice, the impact on the mental health, and why survivors decide to engage in this practice. Now, before we get started, I do wanna uh, preface with the notion that I would suggest um, the, you know, the adult's age, the adult's age, um, and maybe a mature mind coming into this episode, but also I, you know, you know, looking at the research, looking at the many case studies, this topic can get very dark. Um, it can become very heavy. Uh, and so uh, my survivors who may have experienced any sort of um, sexual trauma, um, I, I do ask that, you know, if you're tuning into this episode, uh, just be mindful of the body, be mindful of any sensations that show up, be mindful, um, just having water 
um, if you need to take a sip of water or if you need to pause at any moment to just get the body moving um, and stepping away and then coming back to it. So just just be mindful of what's happening as you're tuned in to this episode. And so what is BDSM? A blanket term that describes consensual sexual practice that includes bondage like uh, handcuffs, uh, whips, uh, tape, rope uh, for resistance, uh, dominance and slavery, submission, uh, and sadomasochism. I can I cannot say that word properly, uh, but sadomasochism. Um, and it usually will include a dynamic of a dominant and a submissive uh, couple. So, uh, and uh, before we, we dive deeper really quickly, I do want to pause here. The uh, loving yourself through revolution. Is there any, any um, uh, uh, parallels uh, between this particular topic today and the loving yourself through revolution? Yes. Um, thank you for that great question and setup. Um, yes, directly related. And that's mm -hmm. part of the reason why I really appreciate you letting me still crash and, and tag along for this show. Um, this can be a part of, of Love Yourself to Revolution. And I think uh, for me, the best part is Love Yourself to Revolution is a choose your own adventure, whatever somebody needs or wants or speaks to them. And so kind of like with the ethical non-monogamy, I, I don't tell anybody what to do. And I, I certainly don't care what anyone chooses to do. But I think the things that remain true and and definitely cross um, are this idea of um, unlearning internalized systems of oppression, um, whatever those are, uh, homophobia, fat phobia, you know, sexism, racism, who knows, um, doing our, you know, inner child healing our shadow work, and then the second part, you know, once you are able to sort of feel like you have done enough, enough inner child healing, you know, enough of the unlearning internalized systems of oppression to be able to truly love yourself like God loves you. The second part is to uh, explore alternative lifestyles. And again, I don't say what that is. It's really up to the person. But this is definitely an alternative lifestyle that can be explored. Um, other alternative lifestyles um, unrelated to BDSM and kink would be, you know, off-grid living, um, you know, doing something alternative for children's education, homeschooling or unschooling, um, living in community, right, in a in a intentional community or, you know, a, a hippie commune or whatever you want to say, but the idea of living in community, um, those are other sort of, you know, alternative lifestyles, um, but BDSM and kink and um, and this is also an alternative lifestyle and can be, um, extremely helpful for people who, who, who it speaks to when it speaks to their spirit and it's something that they want to do. Um, and I did just, I, I appreciate letting me give that extended introduction. And the last thing I wanted to say, um, just about what you just spoke about, what is BDSM? And I think the idea, um, the biggest part of that description or that, uh, you know, the definition is the word consensual um, and making sure, you know, consent is a really big topic 
what is enthusiastic consent, you know, what is informed, what is um, embodied, engaged consent, um, continuing consent, blanket consent, explicit consent. You know, it, it is a it is a practice of consensual sexual practice. And I think that is um, that's the thing that is. A very, it, it is necessary for everything else um, is that it is consent-based. Um, and yeah, the the enthusiastic versus other kinds of consent, um, you know, this is, this is the topic and the conversation sometimes too right now, but also, yeah, consent is necessary and everything else can flow from that. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Love yourself, Alt Revolution. I'm so excited. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's... You're That's my welcome. feedback on that so oh far. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for, uh, thank you for uh, one, sharing the, um, the big, big thing that I really took away with part of the parallel uh, of Love Yourself, the Revolution is uh, alternative lifestyle. And I think that is so big because one of the reasons um, why I chose this topic is because there's always the assumption uh, behind BDSM um, and we'll get more into that but I, I you know BDSM be, uh, being bad or it's being you know it's uh, dangerous and those those will it, it can be absolutely um, but um, what I find is we always question, judge, and criticize anything we don't understand versus just doing the research. Uh, and so, um, and I find that that happens in anything that is considered non-traditional or um, alternative living. Um, and so uh, another thing with that is uh, like the idea of dis uh, dissociating, disassociating. Uh, and so, uh, you use the word embodiment and, um, oh yeah, I'm just so excited, uh, to just dive into this topic. So again, bringing it as a more, as a form of, form of awareness, um, of the practice itself. Um, and again, I just didn't want to make this particular topic dark and heavy because it can very much, uh, become that, uh, given the research, but, um, Oh yeah, I'm just so excited. <laughs> and um, so when we when we look at the history, okay, when we look at the history, uh, when was BDSM um, created? So basically, what we find um, with what I've found to to understand is that BDSM actually emerged in the early 1900s through pinup portraits of the Miss uh, Betty Page. And she was demonstrating this damsel in distress and using uh, leather props. And it was actually for, uh, photographed by Irving Claw. Um, the, then uh, the First and Second World War began to start taking interest in this erotic photography with men uh, actually posing in leather um, and masculine energy um, posed in uniform. Right, they started to become aroused and curious about this uh, form of art, and so from then, both the leather the the leather community and the gay community, uh, as well as pop culture, started to really take interest and start to really increase this awareness 
of what BDSM was um, and is today. So the topic was also introduced uh, in daytime TV uh, with hosts like Oprah and Dr. Phil bringing it onto their uh, networks. So um, uh, speaking of, you know, uh, practice, this form of a practice, I like to talk about one of my favorite practices, and that is uh, Magic Mind. So Magic Mind by James Vachera is uh, created the found, he's the founder of Magic Mind, and he created these two ounce elixirs. Uh, one of the favorite, uh, my favorite ingredients is ashwagandha, which helps balance the mood for uh, stress. Uh, and anxiety. And so ashwagandha is one of the main ingredients along with matcha and honey. Uh, and so uh, it's very easy to, you know, to have with you. Um, you can, you don't have to like replace your coffee or your, or your smoothie. You can actually uh, take them together. Um, and two ounces, is, you know, just like your little morning, your morning shot of all feel good. So no stress, right? And you get to do more uh, with that matcha uh, tea included in that. And if you're someone who likes to prep, uh, you can subscribe to a 15 pack. Uh, or if you like to really, really prep, you're, you're like advanced in this whole meal prep thing, then you can also subscribe to a 30 pack of these two ounce elixirs. So uh, magicmind.co. So magicmind.co and that forward slash N like no, M like more, T like trauma. So to get yours, feel free to go to the website and stock up. So how does psychology play a role in, in sex? And before I actually answer that question, I want to backtrack a bit. And so when we talk about like the history of BDSM and how it was uh, introduced uh, to the world, um, at least, you know, um, and where it started, uh, I want to ask V, um, how did you discover or hear about or learn about BDSM? Um, thank you for that question. Uh, mm -hmm. Here we go. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, uh, the interesting thing about how it's portrayed in media or where the images that we see and what our first introduction to something like this is. Mm -hmm. And I think um, like probably a lot of people who grew up in the church, um, mm -hmm. you know, the first introduction was if there was something, it was the idea that this was of the devil um, mm -hmm. and demonic and, you know, definitely bad, definitely taboo, definitely, you know, sin. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that my first sort of, you know, if I say what's my first thought about it, I didn't even have the words BDSM for it, but I, you know, that was just a whole big, um, off limits, uh, field. Mm -hmm. And, and I think then, you know, as, um, as an adult, right. As a consenting adult and, you know, when you're dating or, you know, the idea of like discovering or exploring or, um, all of those things and what that looks like and what you actually, you know, enjoy, want, uh, are interested in exploring all of those things. And so I think this idea of having, um, a different understanding of being able to appreciate 
um, it in a, in a holy and sacred practice, right. That for it, it hopefully um, if done in the right ways with the right people, with the right intentions um, that it, it can be something that can be incredibly healing um, and incredibly, uh, uh, incredibly like safe uh, trust building practice. Right. Um, and trusting yourself and your own self-awareness and all of those things. And so, yeah, I think for me, that's, you know, the introduction versus like how it was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that isn't all just bad. Maybe it isn't all, maybe it doesn't have to be all um, horrible. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, and again, I want to say the idea of doing the shadow work or doing the inner child healing um, you know, if something is coming up or again, somebody else, our experiences with something or how, you know, people were introduced and a lot of times again, in the wrong ways and for the wrong reasons and all of those things. And so, um, being able to hold space, right. And, and for me or for anyone else who's, who's dealing with this or even thinking about, um, exploring anything, of yeah, making sure that uh, making sure that you hold yourself uh, near and dear to your own heart, and that this is a practice of self awareness, and yeah, doesn't doesn't have to involve anyone else until you until you want to, and when they have proven themselves ready and and worthy of entering into a sacred and holy practice that um, is not to be taken lightly, and is not to be you know, it's not a, it's not a toy, it's a tool. So. Um, yeah, that's that's my whole introduction and how I feel about it up to and including now. I can, I'll let you go. Thanks. Thanks for letting <laughs> thank me go on. You. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for that share. And I love the uh, it's a it's not a toy. It's a tool that's um, very well said. Um, so I'll share. So my it just came to me um, when I originally discovered. So um I think it was like the beginning stages of, so when, you know, um, for anyone who doesn't know, my first business um, was photography um, and I still plan to dive back, dive into that um, sometime, hopefully uh, this year. But anyway, um, what my instructor, um, or master photographer expressed to us in the very beginning, there is composition, um, composition, which is that object. And the thing about composition is you want to allow it to move you, right? You, you want your audience to feel moved when they see that image, when they see the image. And um, it didn't surprise me um, in the beginning of how it was introduced through portraiture and art. Um, and the brain processes it quicker, right? Versus us processing, you know, a group of wording, we process uh, images 65% faster. Um, so hello, Instagram and Tumblr and all those things that, you know, whoever, you know, the founders knew uh, that these things can grab your attention. With all that said, um, for me, and I'm very much drawn to art, um, it's, you know, one of my languages, but, um, and I do process it a lot quicker. Um, so anyway, Catwoman. <laughs> so, you know, growing up seeing Catwoman, that was my first, like, uh, uh, just, 
I, I recognize sensations in the body when I saw Catwoman. I'm like, okay, there's leather, there's the whip, there's the, you know, the covering of the face, partly. Um, there's, um, you know, like the straps around the 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 midsection. Um, and I was, and it was my first introduction to seduction and um, somewhat of this this dominance. Um, and I was just like, huh, that's interesting, you know. And and that and that was it. That was it for me. That was like, oh, okay, that's different. Um, how should I feel about that? You know, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, there was a lot of question when I uh, first, uh, yeah, watched the film. I don't know how it was. I mean, 12, 13, I guess. I was going to say, that's what they get for letting you watch those devil movies. We yeah, were trying, no. I just saw the poster and knew it was wrong. I just saw the poster <laughs> and had like, mm, what is that? But I was, we didn't get to watch the whole movie. Oh, See, this is, anyway, I'll just say. <laughs> yeah, Batman, yeah, Batman and Catwoman. It was the stance. It was the whip. It was the, you know, um, you chase with me. I tell you where to go. The way the shoulders move, that is the walk. It was the, you know, again, the fabric, the tightness of the fabric against the skin. You know, so all those subliminals. Um, and I was just like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um you know, and it was, you know, and as you can see, when you're watching different film, it was the, you know, the press, you know, the, the, um, the B in BDSM, it was the, the bonded. So, and it was the S role that she was playing being submissive, right? When she was pressed against the wall, you know, um, you know, things like that. So um, the gentle subliminals, um, that was, you know, that are placed in films. And so, yeah, the brain is processing that. So anyway, speaking of that, how the brain process, how does psychology play a role in sex? Sex is a physical, psychological, and a spiritual practice. Sex is a form of physical connection. There's intimacy, and it's another way to communicate the unspoken words. So love is described as Eros, uh, the Greek god of fertility, desire, and passion. Um, I hope I said that right, Eros, Eros, I don't, I don't see a U in there, so I want to assume Eros, <laughs> fertility, desire, and passion, and then, um, you know, understanding that sex exchanges separateness for physical, emotional, and psychological union. It takes us away from the idea of, I feel lonely right? It takes us away from you being over there and I'm over here and there's this yearning, right? Physical, spiritual connectedness, emotional connectedness that I have, right? Um, that we have as human beings, we're here to create, procreate. Um, and so all of those play a, a psychological role um, on the body and the brain. So Stephen Diamond, um, he's a clinical and forensic psychologist out in LA. Um, and he did an article in psychology today. I will put the article down below in the, in the uh, podcast notes, 
his, um, I really favored as I was doing the research, I really favored his writing in, in, in that article. But he says, falling in love, right? The side effects of sex, falling in love, obsession, rejection. Oof, that one gets me. Abandonment, been there. Loss of self, been there. Fear, annihilation, psychosis, and the manic madness of ecstasy are all potential psychological side effects of sex. So just sitting with that for a moment, inhale, exhale. There's some realness in there. And I like what you said, B, about, you know, choosing partners, you know, uh, being safe. And when we look at the side effects of just sex alone, not, not even looking at the idea of BDSM, but just looking at sex alone, what are the side effects? Obsession, rejection, abandonment, loss of self, fear of, annihil uh, fear of annihilation, psychosis, and manic madness of ecstasy. So when we look at men versus women, according to betterhelp.com, men desire men's desire for sex is like the constant physical enjoyment while women may desire it for an extension of the connection or relationship or a deepening the bond and of course procreation so not always that way um but studies have shown uh, you know it it sits this way primarily for men and uh those reasonings for women were you going to say something Dee? Sorry. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. I was. I was mm -hmm. just, I just wanted to say um, all of those possible side effects. Um, and that I know that this is a, an episode talking about, you know, maybe, maybe the idea would be that people would say we'd be encouraging more activity and, and, and really, you know, I think sometimes it's the opposite of actually um, being very, even more careful, even more selective about who you choose to exchange energies with and whatever that looks like, um, because it is a connection um, that once it is made, you can't unmake it, huh? Uh, you can't take it back. And, and you may have lots of other side effects related to, you know, a connection that you have opened up on it. Listen, don't make this into uh, another uh, topic here. Do not. I'm just saying <laughs> physical, emotional, spiritual, energetic exchange, um, proceed with caution and be very careful and, and, and don't, and it is, you know, not to, I'm not trying to be the, you know, abstinence queen here um, on the BDSM kink podcast episode but again, be very careful who you decide to engage in, in spiritual and holy and sacred practices with um, sex, BDSM, kink, period, everything, anything, you know, friendships, every part of it. Right. Be, be careful. Um, it's not to be played with. So that's Ooh. all I wanted to say, just as the full disclosure, whole blanket warning. Uh, mm -hmm. It looks like lots of fun, but if you do that, you know, doing this with the wrong person in the wrong spirit uh, with the wrong intent can be very damaging especially for somebody who is a post-trauma you know trauma survivor mm -hmm. somebody who's dealt with this 
Um, trust your gut, trust your instinct, be true to yourself. This is a self, you know, a self-awareness practice mm-hmm. of what, of who you are and what you desire and, and, and nothing for anyone else. And yeah, proceed with caution. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, so how does BDSM impact the mental health? Studies have shown that individuals experience secure attachment, Ooh, secure attachment in their relationships, elevated dopamine, decreased rejection sensitivity, and more likely to have lower cortisol levels. So that's the stress hormones, right? They tend to be lower. So this also allows partners to build trust uh, as well as uh, uh this embodiment of greater self-esteem. So results can also demonstrate freedom and boundary setting, okay? So so speaking of trauma survivors, right? Um, making sure that we stay on, stay on uh, topic here and, um, you know, how does that, you know, how does kink and BDSM, or excuse me, why do trauma survivors feel the desire for this kink and BDSM, right? So, because, you know, my understanding is the assumption is always that uh, trauma survivors, you know, um, practice this, uh, this, uh, my assumption is that uh, prior to me doing the research and digging into uh, case studies and, um, you know, reviewing everything, the assumption for me was always that, oh, that's, you know, this is just something that, uh, you know, people that have a lot of trauma, um, you know, uh, play and indulge in, you know, and, uh, and of course, we get that um, uh, translated in, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, he had, uh, uh, Mr. Grey had the uh, trauma uh, background from his um, parental figure. So, most people desire to indulge into this process for self-exploration, liberation, and the ability to exercise advocacy for personal desires, reclaiming identity, and the opportunity to release, process, and heal emotional stress from past pain and trauma. Aggression, pain, humiliation, and dominance can produce an arousal, okay? And some survivors may create previous harmful trauma to support as a reframing technique to expel traumatic sensations and obtain control. Some therapists have even encouraged this practice for that very exercise, right? To recreate that trauma experience and reframing the the uh, technique to really allow the emotions to flow uh, through the body and regain um, agency and power within. So BDSM does not always mean it consists of trauma survivors. Studies have also revealed that those who choose to engage in the practice have lower levels of PTSD, I believe by 20%. However, those with trauma do find the practice as an alternative tool to work through past experiences. Using embodiment consent instead of blunted enthusiasm while navigating pain as well. So let's look at the stats. 
So looking at the statistics, right, 80% of people who experience child sexual abuse develop compulsive sexual behavior and sexual addiction in adulthood. That's 80%. 2005 direct global sex survey found that 20% of adults admitted to using some form of bondage during lovemaking. And 30% of people, 30% of people have tried spanking during sex and nearly a quarter have tried dominant and submissive role play. So pretty much everybody you know has tried something <laughs> yeah go back through the people you know and think about who who might have tried something and it's a lot of people right um mm-hmm. i think those stats are, are also encouraging and confirming the idea that um it's not for it's not just people who have had trauma so it's it's a very unfair sort of you know ableist assumption that uh, somebody is only into this because they must have experienced trauma. And I, uh, I think the idea of weaponization, when somebody weaponizes something and says, oh, you must like this because you experienced trauma before. That's why you're so messed up and into this sort of thing. Um, that's an unfair assumption. And the answer is, so what if it is? Uh, it sounds like it sounds like therapists might be recommending this, right? That it sounds like people might be saying, it's okay to use it as a tool to be able to support your own process, your own healing process, and being able to use it. Yeah, the embodied consent, the blunted enthusiasm, the idea of you know somebody who suffers from chronic pain or has had PTSD, um, they may not have enthusiastic consent. They may be, you know, again, recovering people pleaser where you feel like you need to give your this blunted enthusiasm that everybody wants and and taking a step back and really doing, um, yeah, that self-check of what are the sensations? What am I feeling? What am I, do I, what do I enjoy? What do I not enjoy? What do I, you know, what is helping? What is not helping? And that embodied consent, um, it's just such a great place to be able to, if you want to, to be able to actually intentionally put into practice, um, yeah, trusting yourself, trusting someone else, um, all of those things, working through whatever you want to work through. And also, yeah, it's none of anybody's business. If that's what you're, you know, if that's okay, then so what? You got me. That is what I'm doing. I'm working through it. Or it, I'm not. And it's none of your business. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a, you know, PTSD trauma survivor just because. And so um, it's a, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say about that. And then, yeah, the, the percentages, lots of people have tried something related to it. Whether you knew it was, you know, in the BDSM or not, you know, spanking during sex, like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe, yeah, lots of people have tried that, that didn't even know that that's what it was, right? Um, So I appreciate all of that. Those are all also relevant. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. I love the, I, I love, love, love that you also say that um, maybe you practiced something and didn't even realize that it was within the BDSM uh, acronym, right? You didn't realize that, you know, maybe biting, uh, that was another stat that I had uh, come across. I didn't include it here, but um, there was a large percentage that uh, people enjoyed uh, uh, soft biting um, um, or like hickeys. 
um, that's another form of, of PPs can be, you know, uh, I, I, that's what we used to call it during the back in the day. Oh my gosh. Um, but um, yeah, taking taking the scan and you know, you can do your own research. Well, I'm just <laughs> exactly. And so somebody who said I like hickeys and I liked having my hair pulled. You didn't know you were in media, you know, like what mm -hmm. are the words that we have to say that? And mm -hmm. also this idea of where do, where did this come from? And so maybe mm -hmm. this is your first mm -hmm. thing of going like, oh, maybe this, am I, did I, do I have, do I want to use this as a tool, mm -hmm. as a tool for further healing? Is there mm -hmm. something else that maybe that's why this proclivity or this desire might be stemming from? Mm -hmm. And as a, and as a chance to be able to, again, get to, get to love yourself, get to know mm -hmm. yourself, get to love yourself mm -hmm. and get to say like, where, who am I? Where, where does this come from? What do I love? What do I not love? Mm -hmm. What do, what did I think I enjoyed, but only because I was trying to do what other people, I thought other people wanted me to do. And mm -hmm. I'm not really into that. Uh, yeah. all of those things. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful exploratory space. Um, mm -hmm. if, and when it feels safe. All right. right. I'm going to stop talking again. Thank you. Ma <laughs> no worries. No worries. So we look at journal reflections. I'll only mention three, right. And so in the podcast notes, you can find those down below. So the first question is, do I carry any guilt, shame, anxiety around intimacy? So do I carry any guilt, shame, or anxiety around intimacy? So the next one is what are my thoughts on BDSM or kink prior to this podcast? Because, oh my goodness, this may be the first time you're hearing about it. So um, yeah, that. <laughs> and um, number three is what experiences do I have with BDSM? What experiences do I have with BDSM? So there are eight questions. I only um, call out three here on the recording um, so you can reflect with yourself, with your partner, or with a friend. Um, and, you know, hey, the, uh, the Valentine's Day is coming up, so you can definitely use that as an opportunity um, of reflection. So, uh, so you have that. And um, we'll look at alternative ways to practice BDSM. So after speaking with a therapist or speaking with someone you trust, uh, that you decide, hey, I think this may be uh, something that I would like to entertain uh, or, uh, you know, and you can start with um, some simple alternatives, right? If you're deciding, you know, let me, let me first practice with myself or let me see, you know, let me uh, find alternative ways um, to practice. Uh, the BDSM. So uh, you have uh, literature and art, right? So uh, photography, right? Uh, books. Uh, you also have audio books, right? If you just want to listen. Uh, and uh, of course you have film, right? So uh, however you choose to indulge in your film, uh, and you also have self-sacred practices in B. I'll let you uh, uh, share the uh, alternative ways you have a sacred practice. I, I do. Um, thank you so much again just for having me and letting me share. Um, and, and this has just been such a pleasure. I'm just so lucky to be here with you. So thanks for that again. Um, lucky to and have yeah, you. The, the idea of um, a place to start and something that, you know, again, if somebody is 
asexual, not sexually motivated, you know, just disregard all of this. Do, do your, do your morning routine and your morning practice and your morning meditations and and do what you, what you do. But if you are somebody who, you know, um, is more sexually motivated, you know, that this is something that speaks to you or that you are interested in exploring, I highly recommend, um, morning O's like your Cheerios, uh, morning orgasms, um, a time of morning meditation and loving yourself, um, in the pun intended double entendre version of that. Um, and the idea is a place to a safe place to start to know yourself um, and to begin to to practice knowing what you enjoy, what pleases you. Um, it's a place to, you know, daydream and think about the idea of exploration of, you know, thinking about these things before you are ready to even talk to somebody else about it. Um, but just, yeah, cultivating that holy and sacred practice. Um, and for, for me, you know, um, I'll just say it is a, it, life gets in the way. You can have lots of times where it doesn't make sense, but when it does, um, when spirit is calling the idea of starting a morning in um, in prayer and in meditation and in active, intentional self-love, um, culminating in juicy blessings, uh, being sprayed all over the universe. Um, I think anything done with, with intention for the right intention. Um, yeah, it, it can be a very impactful part of a morning practice. Um, if you like it, if it speaks to you, um, morning O's, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah. Uh, now that I, I it has a, a lovely uh, ring to it. Um, so again, um, you know, feeling as though, you know, this may, may or may not be your, you know, space. Um, but, you know, I, what I appreciate in all of my findings, because again, this topic can be heavy when you look at the the case studies um looking at uh, you know uh, the aces with uh, childhood uh, trauma um you know trafficking all of those things it can this topic can get very uh dense however um you know bringing bringing this topic i wanted to somewhat bring some light to it um however sprinkling in um, the findings from other psychologists and, and therapists and uh, their backings and um, of it. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to bring some lightness to it. And even the, the idea that what I love so much is that when reviewing everything, a lot of therapists encouraged it, encouraged the idea of, you know, not even if, you know, regardless of uh, status, right? Um, being able to have this, you know, that part that sticks out to me so much is the reclaiming of oneself, right? That this can be a therapeutic practice of reclaiming yourself, whether that's speaking up, um, speaking up for yourself, boundaries is that's an area of of challenge for you um you can use the self-healing practice 
Um, you know, if, if violation has been your experience, then you can use this as a self-healing practice for your womb space. Um, it's so powerful, I think. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, just kind of sharing here, um, you know, in my experience of betrayal, you know, the, the self experience, uh, and being able to reclaim that power. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, it's, it's very, very, uh, it, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a tool, you know, uh, to work through. Um, so with that, I just want to just reiterate, BDSM has a reputation as being dangerous, taboo. It can be met with resistance. It can be, you know, uh, unhealthy if not practiced safely. After trauma, BDSM and kink are places to practice exercising agency and exploring what is enjoyable without fear, shame, and condemnation. It allows the community to advocate for their interests and try to practice self-awareness through the sensations and communication. BDSM is a sacred practice within safe, oh my goodness, all caps, safe spaces full of unconditional love where they're able to just be themselves, right? Where individuals can just be themselves. Whoever you are, you don't have to be within a certain community. You can just be you and explore this particular experience. So um, references will be down below. Um, and again, journal reflection, take that information, reflect on it. Um, because again, we're, we're put on this world to self-discover. Um, and um, especially for my survivors out there, um, if you have you know, any, any challenges or just some blocks, um, you know, the world is for you to discover. Um, so, so grateful to bring this topic and I am so grateful again to have you be on this episode. Um, you always, you know, put a nice spin of just good wording and, uh, energy into these episodes. So I'm so grateful to have you here and, you know, um, for even the listeners, um, new or subscribe that they also get to experience your amazing energy. So remember to live abundantly, love your authenticity, and radiate organic happiness. But most importantly, live a life of no more trauma. Namaste, trauma-free. Remember, you can find us on podcasts, on, excuse me, Apple, YouTube, uh, Love Yourself Revolution, No More Trauma, or AZ, that No More Trauma. I look forward to seeing you back. Bye.